You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast, now on Google Play. With Rachel Adams, Managing Editor. Brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas. Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast. My name is Rachel Adams. I'm Managing Editor of Natural Products Insider. And today I have with me Dr. Bernadette Marriott, Professor Emeritus, Departments of Medicine and Psychiatry at the Medical University of South Carolina. How are you doing today, Bernadette? I'm just fine. Thanks, Rachel. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm so glad to have Bernadette on the podcast today. Uh, She presented recently at UNPA's annual retreat in May uh, in Charleston on the findings of a recent study that evaluated the use of dietary supplements among military personnel. There were some really interesting findings in this study, and today uh, Bernadette's going to talk a little bit more about it, so I'm excited to get in and get to the questions. So let's just get started with some background information on this study. Uh, Bernadette, can you just give us a little bit of insight on the study that you presented at uh, UNPA's retreat? Sure. Um, In the United States, we get our information in terms of health and diet primarily from a very large study that's continually being collecting data, the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. And that survey goes around the country and nationally selects a representative sample of uh, non-institutionalized U.S. civilians of all ages residing in all states in Washington, D.C. They're continually gathering this information uh, throughout the country. And they do this in a very systematic fashion in that all the counties are divided into 15 groups and one county is selected. And this happens every year uh, from the group. And 15 counties are the surveys for that particular year. And then smaller groups of households are formed and between then 20 and 24 of these groups are selected. Um, And then these households are then interviewed. So very, very highly trained interviewers go to the house and interview a specific individual, one or more individuals in the house. Again, this is all designed by a computer. So we have a really good representative sample being collected every year of the U.S. population. And they interview people in the house, and then afterwards they come to a mobile exam unit and they get a free, very, very complete physical. And the data is then put into a national database at the Center for Disease Control Prevention. And that database is available to everyone. Anyone who wants to look at this information can do so personally or, um, in addition, the CDC is always uh, releasing pieces of this data that they have summarized each year so people can just look at the summary information. They're not particularly interested in looking at all this mathematical information. So all of this is collected about our American population. However, um, the military are not included in this. 
So there's very little information that we have about the diet and health of our military population. So these data from the NHANES are terrific for our for our nation and that they tell us uh, specifically in terms of dietary supplements they have a whole dietary supplement questionnaire that they ask each person in the household and they ask everybody to show their supplements so they can be sure that they are getting very detailed information about the supplements that are taken by all of the children and adults um, in the U.S. each year. So we have very good data on our U.S. population, but not the military because they're not a part of that. So over the over a number of years, myself and Dr. Harris Lieberman at um, Natick Laboratories outside of Boston have been very interested in trying to understand um, what supplements are used by American military personnel and how this may differ or not differ from the U.S. population in general. So what I presented at the retreat was some data that we had the opportunity to add into a global study that is conducted by the, paid for and conducted by the military every four or five years. And this is a DOD survey of health-related behaviors. Um, the DOD contracts this survey out to different organizations. And it was first started in 1980, um, and the data that I presented was part of the ninth in that series of, of studies. I just wanted to clarify that the data that you presented, that's not actually part of, of the recurring study that's been done since the 80s, right? That, is, that was newer findings? That recurring study had never asked about dietary supplements or diet before. Um, we we had the opportunity to add that information in. That's a huge missing piece. Right. So what we added were information on diet, um, the location of meals, dietary supplements, complementary and alternative medicine use, and we updated physical activity and body weight information as well. So that was a new component for that survey when we had the opportunity to do that. And so when uh, when were these findings published and when was the data collected? So the data collected was collected in 2005 and the results were released in, in 2000, I want to say, seven. And since that time, no one has been able to do this again, unfortunately. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and this is a global military study uh, from all four branches, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. And 1,300,000 personnel were eligible wow. for the study. So even though time, a lot of time has passed since then, this really does represent a very good picture. And my team, we have just finished in November a study where we have been looking at a specific Army group where we've been looking at um, 
individuals who have recently graduated or completed ROTC and are in training for uh, the elite ranger status. And so we did an assessment of their dietary supplement use and their diet as part of a study where we were um, providing a placebo or uh, fatty, omega-3 fatty acids as a dietary supplement intervention to see if it could improve cognitive performance under stress. Fortunately, we're just beginning, because we just ended the study, uh, we're just beginning to analyze that data and we don't have the complete results. But again, that won't be the whole military. That will just be a very specific group of the Army. Um, that we'll be able to uh, present information about. And the reason I presented this older uh, global study was because it is the only global study and all the other sort of looks at the military have been very focused on, similar to our study, one group or another within the military. Right, and, and like we mentioned, it was such a, like a huge missing piece um, yeah. So can you talk a little bit about the study findings of that global study? What, what would you say are some of the pertinent findings or, or what perhaps caught you by surprise? Um, first of all, I guess we should say we had 40,000 people in the study. So it was really big. <laughs> um, we were able to get um, all people from all branches of the service, Army, Navy, Marines, and Air Force. And we went and actually visited them at their location. I think, you know, typical of the military, we had 85% males and 14% females. And the majority of the people were between 21 and 34 years of age, just to give you some idea. But um, now remember this was in 2005 that this data was collected, just 2007. And then we found that 60% of military personnel used a dietary supplement at least once a week for the last 12 months. That's a big number. That's a big number because Americans, you know, from the NHANES data that I talked about in the beginning, we were only getting, you know, about 40 45 to 50% of the adult uh, people in the United States. So I think one of the things that's consistent that I can say of all the military studies is that the military personnel do use dietary supplements uh, more than the general um, population of the U.S. And um, they typically, but in terms of the kind of supplements, Similar to the general population, they 45% use multivitamin, multimineral supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, bodybuilding supplements was mm-hmm. a big one compared to the civilians, not unsurprising, 21% use bodybuilding supplements. Right. And 21, 21% use antioxidants. So... But I think in terms of the surprise factor for me was that female military personnel re- more often reported using dietary supplements than men. That's right. I remember 
I remember you um, when you when you presented that at the at the retreat, and I found that very surprising as well. Do you uh, have any insight give... on what type of supplements the women are using? Yeah, the women are using you know multi many more multivitamins than men, and individual vitamins and minerals. They're using way less. So 23% of men. Uh, reported using bodybuilding supplements, while only six six percent of women. But mm, wow. women are women are also using weight loss supplements. Um, and I would say this isn't this is probably more to maintain weight than to really actually lose weight. Where we saw twenty five percent of women and only seventeen percent of men, and that's statistically significant when you're looking at such a big big group. You know, reporting. And again, um, for individual vitamins and minerals, you know, 37% of women compared to only 25% of men. So those, when you translate that to 40,000 people as a sample and, you know, over a million as, as representation, that's a lot. That's a huge difference. I think also in terms of the women, just all, all in terms of ages, at every single age that we studied them, and we used women and men under 20, the groups we generated were 20, under 20, 20 to 20, 25, 26 to 34, and 35 and older. At every age group, the women were significantly higher users of dietary supplements than men. So it wasn't just an age-related uh, factor. It was at all ages. Um, the women reported a higher prevalence of use of dietary supplements than the men. Very interesting and definitely something not something I would have I would have predicted. Do you have any insight behind the motivation of using supplements? Mostly I think from the study we've been doing recently with young people who are just out of college and highly skilled and motivated these individuals who are targeting to go into ranger training in the inventory and the um, infantry are really, you know, these are the individuals that were top in their class at college and really very uh, goal-oriented to become officers, higher officers. They come in um, as a lieutenant and their, you know, their goal is to be a general <laughs> And they all take supplements primarily uh, for the nutrients um, mm -hmm. because they're concerned, quite frankly, about weight loss, which mm. is not another unexpected. But, you know, in their training, they get up at 4.30, at 4.30 in the morning, they're out there. And mm -hmm. they are in the field doing exercises and actually learning new skills, working very hard outdoors typically un until 8 o'clock at night with breaks for meals. And during training, many of them do lose weight. So they're concerned that they re retain their strength and capacities, um, and they use supplements to try and help with that. Right. 
it definitely, like, when you when you think about it, logistically, it makes sense. You know, we know that military members are under more physically demanding conditions, um, I would say, in most cases, than civilians. Um, so that makes sense. Um, but it kind of is surprising that we don't hear a lot, and that's, that's, I guess, why it's so surprising that we don't hear a lot about it or we don't have a lot of information about it in the supplement industry, you know, and, and then just in terms of health data overall. Yeah, and, uh, you know, another, what I'll say, and to use in, in this new group, and, and I can't put any numbers to this yet, but it was the same in the global sample is protein powders um, because they're concerned about being strong and mm-hmm. um, and taking in enough protein during the day. So that's another area that we see uh, quite a bit of use. Right, and that coincides with uh, that prevalence of bodybuilding supplements, trying to gain strength yes. and improve performance. Yes, yes. And pre-workout, they tend to use pre-workout supplements, even though it's not what we would think of as going to the gym to do a workout, but they tend to use them on a regular basis as well for the same reason. And so I know you mentioned a couple of differences or a couple of uh, comparisons between civilian use and between the use between uh, military members. Was there anything else? interesting or notable when it comes to civilian use of supplements versus military members based on the research? I think the main thing was the much higher level of use. And, you know, when we compare, do a direct comparison at the same time period between um, military personnel and then that NHANES data for our civilians, uh, when we look at females specifically and, and ask the question, do you take any supplement um, within the last you know, week that you take regularly over a month? At that question, you know, 82% of military women said they were using supplements. And at the same time, only 56% of uh, women in the civilian population said they were using any supplements. That's such and, a big difference. Right. And for men, it was even, it was the same. It was 68% of men and 47% uh, in the military and 47% of civilian men. So they just, they use supplements more more regularly as a part of their day-to-day routine than American civilians do. Um, And it's not that it's, you know, proposed by the military. Um, The main information source is um, personal contacts. You know, their friend says they're using this particular supplement and they feel it's beneficial. And so then they will start using the same one. Um, and that's where when we asked people, where did you learn about your supplements? You know, 48% said from from personal contacts. So, and that's so very that, interesting from the perspective of, 
you know, manufacturers of dietary supplements to know where consumers or where these military personnel who are supplement consumers, where they're getting information from. Yeah, you know, very few of them are actually getting it. They, while there there are often stores that sell supplements near military bases, uh, it appears that the military personnel are going into the stores and specifically asking for supplements that their friends have told them about. Um, they do the so the second most frequent information source for military is print media. I was surprised about that. I thought it was going to be non-print media. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, internet, the internet. But no, they said that, you know, 30% of them said that it was print media um, that hmm. they used. So That is very um, interesting. And, you know, 23%, you know, so just down 7% said they use multimedia, non-print. So those are the main places. First of all, it's personal contact. And then they get print media and multimedia, non-print, you know, the Internet and other places. But it appears when I talk to them that a friend would tell them about a particular product and then they would go and look online or ask their friend if they had information they could read about the supplement. And their friend would give them either a bottle or something that they may have about it um, or tell them where they could find more information about it. So that is where they're getting their information. So looking at all of this information, what would you say, why is this data important, like a, a big a big picture take? What, what's your big takeaway? I think my big takeaway is that military personnel seek out supplements mm-hmm. as a way to basically help them be successful in their endeavors, which I think is a little bit different perspective than civilian uh, personnel. And a colleague of mine did some looking at trend analysis from 2006 to 2011. And what they found that the military differed from the civilians primarily in an increases in use of specific individual nutrient supplements. Iron, magnesium, selenium—some of the ones that that the CDC reports uh, people in general are at risk of having low levels. So clearly, where the use of supplements increased among everybody in the United States in that time period, it increased in the military more. And um, it increased primarily in younger military personnel uh, from 18 to 24 years. So we're seeing, uh, again, just consistently, even more recently, that there's more people in the military using supplements than there are civilians. And it appears to be driven by the younger people in the military. And that's continuing to increase. 
So in civilians, it's been relatively constant, you know, at around 52% since way back in 1999, whereas in the military, it's continued to increase. And if we look at the services, the Coast Guard is the group that uses them the most in a study that was published pretty recently, um, 70% that they use dietary supplements more than once, greater than or equal one to one time a week. And that's sort of the standard question that's asked in all of these studies. So 70% is sort of top of the list <laughs> at this point. I wonder, that's interesting, the, the Coast Guard. I wonder if there's the reason for that. What they basically said, again, is that they wanted to protect themselves. They wanted to be sure that they had a good nutritional balance. And, you know, a third of them consume protein supplements. So we don't have any, you know, real detail. We have individual quotes from individual people, but we don't have real detailed information. And that study was published in 2015 looking at Coast Guard alone. Do you think there will be research in the future? I mean, I know you mentioned the study on rangers. Yeah. Do you think there will be more studies going forward looking at this military population? Oh, absolutely. Because there have been, as I mentioned, many, quite a few studies that have focused in on specific questions like where do people use supplements? Do they use them when they're at their home base in their garrison? Or do they use them more when they're out combat zone, out when they're deployed somewhere? Is there is there any difference? And again, you can see the question about the protective influence. More people use them when they were in a combat zone than when they were back home in a garrison. So when they're going into a stressful situation, they tend to be sure that they have their supplements with them and take them. Which when I when I think about that, that to me underscores that this population really finds value in their supplements. I mean I imagine that they're really seeing tangible benefits and effects from the products that they're taking if they believe in them enough to bring them even into a combat situation. Yeah. Well, we don't can't really know for sure other than, right. they, again, they're saying that they want to be sure they have them. It's another, because, they, of course, they, they never know what their diet's going to be like when they're in a combat zone, whether they're going to be eating regularly or not, and to keep up their strength. Um, right. When they're in a combat, when they're, and again, underscored when they go in the in the combat zone, this study that was published in 2016 by Austin and colleagues said that they're more likely to use protein, amino acids, and combination nutrient products than than they are when they're in garrison. So it also appears that they change up their supplements a little bit when they're going out into a field situation. There's opportunity to to do more study to understand that. Well, 
Bernadette, I want to thank you so much for your time and for your insight. I've thoroughly enjoyed you on our podcast today. Thank you. I've enjoyed it too. This episode has been brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas.